This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 153. Today, our special guest is Lizzie Cangro. She's a nutritionist and a wellness coach, and she's the author of Reclaim the Rebel. And we talk about some rebellious acts that you can put into your life to transform your health and wellness, so you're not going to want to miss this. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders, and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is Michelle. And Tracy. Here from across the country, we've got California and Michigan and everywhere in between covered. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we got two people from California today because our guest is in California as well. Yeah, she's in L.A. Mm-hmm. She is in L.A. Yes. Today we interviewed Lizzie Cangro. It was phenomenal. Can't wait for this one to hit the airwaves. Yeah, I'm fortunate I get to talk to her every week. (laughs) Oh, you are. (laughs) Yeah, so super excited to have her because she's my personal coach, my nutrition and wellness coach. And she just has a phenomenal book and a phenomenal approach. And we're just happy to share that with everybody. And she's just so delightful to talk with. And it was really fun. Delightful to talk with and easy to listen to. Oh, there we go. Both and. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is it? Wait till you wait till you listen, listeners. <laughs> you could just, she's just really easy to listen to. And she, her, her message is really powerful. And um, it's, it's such an important message for all of us. Yeah. For everyone that's listening, it's a very important message. Yeah. I got a lot out of it. Yeah. And for somebody who wrote about being a rebel, she's so soft and sweet. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's yeah, so true. She is. She is. And full, so, full of wisdom, full of wisdom. And love. And love. And love. Which you'll hear love. a lot about love in this episode. So <laughs> how about I introduce you to Lizzie? So Lizzie Cangro is an expert nutritionist and wellness coach with a deep passion for helping others finally feel good about themselves and love their body unconditionally. Inspired by her own journey to wellness, she founded Nutrition by Lizzie in 2017 to help clients rebel against the diet industry and achieve sustainable long-term health and wellness using a combination of nutrition, movement, and mindset. An international health authority, Lizzie is a licensed member of the Association for Nutrition, a certified teacher and fitness instructor. Her research-guided articles on healthy eating have been featured by companies, blogs, and magazines such as Topsante, Swiss Me, and PhD Nutrition. Holding an MA in Natural Sciences from the University of Cambridge and an MSc in Nutrition from King's College London, Lizzie pairs a scientific approach with empathetic understanding to help her clients overcome the destructive thoughts and behaviors towards their body. Lizzie was born in England. You're going to love listening to her voice. (laughs) And she now lives in LA in California. So please join us in welcoming Lizzie to the podcast. 
Well, welcome, Lizzie, to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We are super duper excited to have you on our show today. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be with you, ladies, and be with your listeners. So thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we love your book. (laughs) And and we love how you start out your book. I mean, it made me just kind of pause, and I read it like three times. Um, You start out with a dedication. To my body, I love you unconditionally. So powerful. And let's start out, Lizzie, with you telling our listeners a little bit about your journey and why you dedicated your book to your body and self-love. Yeah, no, um, I mean, thank you very much for that. Because um, when I sat down to, to write the dedication, I just, that just flowed onto the paper. And I was thinking, well, maybe I need to have, you know, 10 ideas. And I was like, no, that's it. That, that is the dedication that I want to make. And really, um, that dedication and my book is a, it, it's, it's really about the journey to achieving unconditional love for my body, but also inspiring other women to achieve unconditional love for theirs. And as many uh, people in the um, healthcare industry begin, I began my journey into becoming a wellness expert and nutritionist through my own struggles with my body. So I began as a 13-year-old who um, my granddad actually died unexpectedly from a heart attack. And he was going through chemotherapy and um, had Parkinson's disease. And I love my granddad and I wanted him to feel better. So I baked him a cake and um, his favorite cake and he devoured it within days. Um, And then a couple of days later, um, he he passed away very unexpectedly or the heart attack. And I, I mentioned this in the book and I say how that caused me to um, have a huge mistrust in myself and my ability to be healthy. And I somehow thought that this cake had contributed to my, my granddad's death. And so I started to read magazines and search out on the internet ways to be healthy so that that wouldn't help what wouldn't happen again. Um, And as a result, I came across some really bad advice and became incredibly ill um, and entered into this 10-year eating disorder that I mentioned. And really, that was the beginnings of my journey to rediscovering unconditional love for my body. Because as I also mentioned in the book, it's really about reclaiming that unconditional love for ourselves. Because mm-hmm. as children and as babies, I should say, we are all born with that unconditional self-love. But our experiences of the world, the messages that we receive cause us to lose that sense of unconditional self-love. So really, a lot of people come to me and say, well, how do I even begin to love my body unconditionally when I can't even accept it? And I say, well, it's something that you already had. It's just a case of reclaiming it. So um, my what I do um, in my work and in the book that I produced, Reclaim the Rebel, it's really about empowering women to reclaim this this natural right to having unconditional love for our bodies using a combination of nutrition, movement, and mindset. Because as I mentioned, I began my journey um, with food. And um, as a result, I became a nutritionist and then went on to train as a fitness instructor and then went into the mindset piece a little bit later on. And I feel like all of those three things really holistically add up to something very powerful in terms of that reclaiming um, unconditional love for ourselves and our bodies. Oh, that's an amazing story. And I love how you just go back to love. That's where you start. That's the starting point. And it's just so powerful, Lizzie. And, you know, we work with healthcare leaders and we help them with dynamic balance in their life because they, like everybody, deal with chronic tension and they deal with trying to dynamically balance their personal life and their professional life and um, also activity and rest and we talk about self-care quite a bit with them, caring for themselves, caring for others. 
In fact, we just wrapped up a series of three podcasts around caring and caring for self was the first of that series because we know it's critically important. And um, so I think there's great, just great synergy with what you're doing and what we're bringing to healthcare leaders. And one of the outcomes that shows up with for Tracy and I is they really do care about their health and they know it's not on it's not top of mind all the time. They want a healthy lifestyle. They want to eat better. And uh, so we're really looking forward for you bringing your wisdom and your journey today in the podcast. And of course, now, Tracy, you're her personal coach, and she just loves you. I get to hear all about her time with Lizzie. <laughs> and I'm a member I'm a member of your squad now, so. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But I, I, it's, it's really quite... Um, it, it's 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 really quite a widespread I think yes um uh I don't like to call it an issue because when we say issue it implies that we're broken and we really are not um and that's something that I'm very big on preaching about is that we are not broken we don't need fixing um but it is something that we see so much especially in the caring industries um so I before I became a nutritionist I was a primary school teacher and like nursing, um, primary school teachers and teachers in general, I feel are very naturally inclined to put themselves last, mm-hmm. even though they know that it's important to, to look after their health and, you know, get the nutrition, the movement and, you know, all of that kind of good stuff in. But it's very um, unnatural for them to go, oh, I'm going to prioritize this and and put me first, as it were. So really, um, you know, I, I want to say to your listeners, I completely get it. I completely understand. And I've seen it um, personally. And I've also seen it in my professional, um, you know, my past life as a, as a teacher. Um, and, and really, it's about, to me, it's a matter of self worth um Mm -hmm. and we really do prioritize what we value don't we Mm -hmm. I mean yeah uh (laughs) I think um if I think back to university when I was studying I just I I I really wanted to achieve the top grades and that was my biggest priority and so I would burn the candle at both ends you know um eat (laughs) anything out of the tin um, because I really wasn't prioritizing my nutrition. I would stay up mm-hmm. late. I would get up early in the morning. And I really just wasn't looking after myself because I wasn't the priority. And, you know, there's no judgment or shame around that. It was just the mm. fact that I was focused on, right. you know, on achieving. And I know that for moms um, who have young kids, that they become the top priority for um adult children who have got elderly parents, they become the priority. And it's just so easy in so many different ways and in so many different life stages to put ourselves last and go, well, when everything else is done, then I'll look after myself. But that never really happens. No, it doesn't. Mm It doesn't happen that way. (laughs) <laughs> no, that that's why we work with them to kind of create a blueprint, right? Yes. To get a to get more balance. Um, and it's not about just focusing on you and you are the only priority, but it is about prioritizing yourself, right? And and I think what I um, you know, we just love how you framed your book, you know, the around the rebellious acts. And and I think rebellion rebelling against the industry, right? The diet industry. Cause there's so, like, to your point earlier, there's so much there and so much of it's not necessarily good. Right. And, um, and everybody's looking for the silver bullet. Yep. Like what's the thing that's going to let me drop these 15 or 20 pounds like tomorrow, right? Like everybody's looking for that silver bullet, that thing outside themselves. And I think what I love about your work is it's about the inside work. It is about the love. It is about rebelling against those things that are not necessarily serving you and really just to unconditionally love yourself and and do the work, right? So we want to kind of talk about some of the rebellious acts. We can't go through all 12. They're all extremely important. (laughs) We'll just come back again and we'll cover the ones we don't do now, right? Um, 
But let's start with the first one, because I think this is critical. And this is something that we address in our work as well. But the rebellious act number one is live your life backwards. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about kind of what does that mean to live your life backwards? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I I think people have maybe heard this in different forms in different places. But to me, living your life backwards is essentially all about the identity that we carry and working from the identity of somebody who already has what we want in life. So I believe that on on your podcast, you talk all about the being as opposed Mm -hmm. to the doing. And so that to me is is living your life backwards. Um, It is embodying the traits of the person. um, And as a result, the behaviors and the thoughts and the feelings of the person that already has unconditional love for their body. So for example, um, when I was going through this and, you know, developing my skill set and ability to love my body unconditionally. I identified the woman who loved her body unconditionally, felt confident. She felt at ease, um, you know, was able to look in the mirror and, you know, just be at peace and feel a sense of freedom when she was um, moving, when she was choosing what food she wanted to eat. And really from there, I was able to kind of create this almost alter ego. And I discussed that in Rebellious Act 2 because they kind of go, Rebellious Acts 1 and 2 go hand in hand. But I was able to create this alter ego of the person that I could step into and really start embodying her. And that is probably the the quickest way that we can achieve unconditional love for our bodies is that we just make that choice every day when we get up in the morning of, all right, I'm going to step into this person. And as I mentioned in the book, sometimes, um, especially at the beginning of this process, you've got to use a little bit of a sort of fake it till you make it. And I don't really like the word fake, but, you know, it's a little bit more effortless, effortless. Um, yeah. To, yeah. to to do because it might feel a little bit forced. It might take a little bit more thought and energy, but it's like anything in life. You know, once we kind of like build up that muscle, develop mm-hmm. that skill set, it just becomes like second nature. Um, I was talking to a client the other day, and he talked about how he went on vacation to Hawaii. And he was watching the windsurfers and he said it was so impressive to see these people um, on, on the windsurfing boards and just, you know, be able to do it so, so effortless, uh, effortlessly. And um, then he was like, well, there were also these beginners who, oh, my gosh, they were in the water all the time and they had to get back up on the boards. And you could see that they were spending so much energy doing doing this. And I said to him, I was like, well, isn't that a great metaphor for what we're doing? <laughs> yes. And he literally was yes. taken aback because, you know, it really is, you know, it, it's not unique to to achieving unconditional love for ourselves. It's the same with anything, you know. It yep. really does to just take practice and it is a journey. So, you know, even if we're years into this and we, you know, have a day where we need a little bit more, put a little bit more effort into loving our bodies that's completely normal you know it's going back to where we're not something that needs to be fixed and there's never a perfect ending so really going back to rebellious act one and what it's all about is that idea that every single day we can consciously choose to embody the identity of person who loves their self unconditionally and then make choices um, in terms of our behaviors and thoughts to make that a reality. Yeah, I um, that took me back how you described that to the whole notion of from novice to expert as a clinician or as anything. And I just thought that's so cool to say, what are you an expert at? I'm an expert at loving myself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> That is, that's amazing. I mean, just imagine like being able to say that to your girlfriend and just be like, guess what? I've become an expert in loving myself. 
<laughs> oh man, that's so Michelle. That's so Michelle. <laughs> it is. It is. It's perfect. It's perfect. Well, and I think I love that you used windsurfing because I used to windsurf. Oh, so I can totally get you spending more time in the water than you are on the board. And I've been to Hawaii and I watched professional tournaments of windsurfing. It is incredible. And I think it, but it is about being able to see yourself there, maybe not in the 3D today, but, you know, to just be that person, right? To just step into that may not, I might not be seeing that today, but I will be seeing that, right? Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. it kind of create that, um, that personal power that if they can do it, I can do it. Like there's just no, no reason not to, right? No reason not to. And just stepping fully into that. And I I like how closely these two things are tied. The rewrite, because it's a story, right? That is me inside, may not be me outside (laughs) in the mirror yet, right? But it's me on the inside. And, um, And so I like how you bring up the inner mean girl because so much of our challenge is stories, right? It's just the stories we tell ourselves about who we are, our experiences. So talk a little bit about the inner mean girl. Oh, yes. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so our inner mean girl. In the corner, <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. So she um, she kind of works hand in hand with, with the diet industry because the story that we get from our inner mean girl is essentially the same story that we get from the diet industry. And that is we're not good enough. Um, and so (laughs) going back to kind of like what I was saying right at the start, these experiences that we have are so, so normal because just think about it. We're bombarded with these messages from the diet industry of you're not good enough. You're not slim enough. You're not, you know, healthy enough. You're not this, you're not that. And we also have internally our inner mean girl telling us the same thing. So no wonder there's so many of us go on our knees kind of going, well, how do I get out of this? How do I love myself? Because I deeply believe internally and externally that I'm not good enough. So the inner mean girl is essentially our inner critic. And Mm -hmm. she likes to tell us stories that keep us in line. And you might think that this is counterproductive and really annoying and we just need to kind of get rid of her. But that's not necessarily the case because what she's actually doing is she's keeping life predictable and therefore safe. So what she's doing is actually trying to keep us, trying to protect us, trying to keep us safe, as as, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't feel very good. You know, who wants to feel not good enough? very many people um so really with our inner mean girl instead of just getting rid of her completely what we want to do is we want to just acknowledge her and say ah okay I hear you I see you but we're not going to go and play this game today go and sit in the corner (laughs) you can't sit with me at the unconditional self-love table um and 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 actively choose something that is more empowering than what your inner mean girl is telling you so she'll come up you know years into doing this work and really the trick is as i say not getting rid of her it's learning how to move through her negative mm-hmm. beliefs and stories so that we can be more in alignment with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the identity of the woman that loves our body unconditionally. So, um, for example, I like to give the metaphor of when you go to your wardrobe in the morning and you pick your clothes out and you say, oh, I want to wear this today. And by the way, as I said at the start, before we started recording, I love that we were wearing pink. That is amazing. So we all chose to wear pink today, right? Well, we can all choose our thoughts just like we chose to wear pink. So we can yep, choose yep, yep. to listen to our inner mean girl or we can choose a more empowering story. And we can literally use that metaphor as a way of saying, okay, let's get back into alignment. What am I going to pick out of my closet today that feels good and that I want to tell myself? Because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, we all have that choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always love how simple it is, but we also know it's not always easy and it takes work, right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. 
It's a great analogy. Consistency. Consist- I think it takes consistency. It does. Right? Yes. Yes. I mean, I think, um, I think sometimes we think it's difficult or hard or, but really it's, it's simple, but you got to be consistent. That's true. Yep. You just got to be consistent. What you know? story do you want to choose about it? Do you want, yeah. do, is it a story about being hard or as you say, consistency yeah. is very important. It's a consistency of habit. It's a thought habit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Which makes it easy to be it. Right. So when, when you get this thought habit, habits make things easier because they're subconscious. Right. Right. You just do them. Right. So it becomes a part of who you are. It's like, it's like the love yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Look in the mirror and tell yourself how much you love yourself. When you do that every morning, that's like one of the first things you do in acknowledging who you are, acknowledging all the awesome things about your body then that becomes a habit and then it's just who you are. And then that becomes, that becomes what you believe about yourself and it replaces that other story. Just becomes so second a, nature, like that wind mm-hmm. huh? Yeah. Well, you're, yeah, right. you're changing, right. you're changing it up, right? It just, you're developing that muscle. <laughs> and I think really what a lot of, what holds a lot of people back is that it just, it, can feel very unnatural to begin with and sure especially in the arena of um you know body image and self-love if we go even deeper I think it's banded around on social media and you know in the media in general and people just kind of brush it aside as just a you know Instagram hashtag and don't really have the tools to know how to actually follow through. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so what I love about what you're doing is that you're providing these tools for self-care mm-hmm. and self-love. And, you know, only when we're able to have those tools can we really um, begin to embody and find it easy. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's our mantra often with healthcare leaders is how important it is to put themselves first and self-care is not selfish and it's good, but it's not just, it's just not in their DNA because as we started out the podcast, it's their servers, right? That's, that's where they go to. Um, and one of the things I loved in your book um, is how you introduce love languages. And I've known about love languages, but you're the first person that has flipped it onto yourself. So I'd love for you to tell our listeners how you discovered that, what love languages is, and how you can also apply it to you to really help you on that self-love journey. Yeah. I mean, the love languages, the five love languages is, um, you know, it's a classic book by Gary Chapman. And if you haven't read it, then I absolutely recommend that you go read it because it really is such a powerful tool to Mm -hmm. develop relationships with others as well as yourself. So Gary wrote the book originally to um, help couples in romantic relationships nurture and build more connection with each other because we all communicate differently in terms of our love for one another. And so the five love languages are um, physical touch, um, words of affirmation, gift giving, acts of service, and quality time. So we all kind of communicate sort of to some extent with with all of those things, but there's one primary love language that we tend to gravitate towards and that we receive love the best. So for me, my primary love language is, is gift giving. I I absolutely love showing people that I care through giving gifts. So Christmas is my absolute favorite. Um but the, my partner, my husband, his primary love language is physical touch. So by understanding our different love languages, Gary essentially argues that we can show our partner more love in their love language. So, for example, my husband may, you know, start giving me more small little gifts as a way to show that show me that he loves me. And I may, you know, give him more hugs as a way of showing love for him because his love language is physical touch. So that's what Gary argues. He says that if we know our partner's 
primary love language, we can use this to nurture and deepen our romantic relationships. And that's why I started reading the book in the first place. I wanted my partner to feel loved. And as so many of us do, we want to nurture and care for those who we love. But reading that book got me thinking. I thought, well, hang on a second. If we can do this to our partner, why can't we flip this and turn this around on ourselves to show us self-love? Um, yeah. And so I altered the five love languages into your self-love language. So um, if your listeners want to go onto my website, it's nutritionbylizzie.com forward slash quiz. I've developed a quiz where you can discover your primary self-love language. And, you know, through this, you can then really understand and know how to best show yourself love. So, for example, as I mentioned, my primary love language is gift giving. So I can buy myself gifts to show myself that I matter. So it might just be something like a coffee in the morning, going down the road to Starbucks and buy myself a coffee. It might be something big like, I don't know, um, a piece of jewelry that I like the look of when I was in the mall. It can be anything. But the more that you show yourself that you matter through your self-love language, the more that your brain will register, oh, I do love myself. I am worth this. And really feeding into that subconscious message of, I do love myself. And so that is, that is your self-love language. And I mentioned that in Rebellious Act number four, which is what you were Mm -hmm. talking about, prioritizing yourself. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really neat way of prioritizing yourself without sacrificing your time because Time really is precious. The busy professionals like those who I work with in the healthcare profession, teachers, so many of us, I get it, we're busy. So prioritizing yourself, as you say, doesn't have to be a selfish act. It can be something very, very simple. And using your self-love language, I think, is a really unique but powerful and easy tool that we can use to, to to. show ourselves that we do matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. I really loved it cuz like I said I've known about that assessment for a long time and I never thought about applying it to yourself, but when you think about what you're bringing, it makes so much sense. So, I just thought it was really cool. Do you have any other tips um for our listeners on how to prioritize themselves first? Yes. How so- to put themselves first? What was really huge for me was, as I mentioned before, I would tend to put everything out else on my to-do list first and put me last. So by physically putting myself first at the beginning of the day, I was able to show myself that I mattered. So mm-hmm. this could literally just be sitting down for 10 minutes, having breakfast and a coffee and just being, just Mm -hmm. setting the intentions of the day of I am worth this time and it as I say like it can only be 10 minutes but it is a symbolic representation of I am putting myself first before opening up my emails and my computer before doing everything that I need to do you know packing the kids lunch (laughs) feeding the cats whatever you need to do during your day just find that slot it can just be 30 minutes of just stretching before after you get up in the morning before you have to do everything else that you need to do but physically putting yourself first absolute first in the day is a really really um, again powerful way an easy way of showing yourself that you matter Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. I mean, that Michelle and I are both yeah. morning ritual people, right? <laughs> Which is the first thing we do is focus on us and the things that are important to us. And um, and I think what we try to do with our with the with the individuals that we work with is everybody's got eat healthy, exercise, and they want to go all out, full bore right from the beginning. And we're like, just take it one step at a time. <laughs> And they want to do the doing, 
But it's also about the being, right? It's all about these parts, this love yourself, step into the identity of the person that's going to exercise three days a week, right? If you're not doing it now, you're not the person who will do it. So you got to shift the inside, right? That's what I love about this. It's kind of the being and the doing part of this whole love yourself and move forward, right? To have what it is that you want, whatever that might be for you, you know? Um. One of the things that, you know, because they, they often like the healthy diet and the exercise, one of the rebellious acts is move for pleasure. <laughs> rebellious act number eight, I think it is, um, and not punishment. So I think that's such a significant message. Talk more about that. Yeah. So I feel like with all of the rebellious acts, it is down to balance. And I absolutely love that you've mentioned it is really creating that balance between being and doing. Um, and you know, it's the same with moving for pleasure and not punishment. We want to move our bodies. Um, but we don't want to overdo it. We don't want to sit on the couch all day and do nothing or sit in front of our computers all day and just work, but we don't want to be working out every single hour of every single day. So how do we get that balance? How do we get that sweet spot? And I argue that it's by moving for pleasure and not punishment. So, For me, that really represents um, doing movement that you enjoy. So um, I don't like to say exercise because, again, there's a lot of connotations with exercise and what it means, whereas movement encompasses a lot more. So movement can be going out in the yard and doing some gardening. It can be going on a walk in nature. It can be doing your favorite bar class. Um, For me, I absolutely love dancing. I mentioned this. In the book, I uh, I grew up just doing all all the types of dance, all the things, and so that is something that just brings me so much joy. And I don't even realize that I am working out in inverted commas. Um, so I think everybody has that activity that they just love doing that involves moving their bodies. Um, and what that does is that just creates both a sense of joy. But it also just gets us moving. It creates that kind of doing that's going to not only benefit our health, our cardiovascular health, our you know muscles, all of that sort of stuff. But it will you know gradually get mm-hmm. us to the physical goals that we want to achieve in life. But the problem comes, I believe, is when people go all out, as you mentioned, and think they have to do a specific workout routine, follow the latest trend in um, in the exercise world as well as the, the nutrition world. And that's just not them. It's not congruent to what they really love. Um, so choosing to move to pleasure and not punishment is deciding or just being self-aware enough to be like, okay, this is my thing. I really like to do this, making time for it in your day and just doing it and committing to mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that just makes such a difference versus, okay, I want to lose 15 pounds. So now I've got to lift weights. I got to, you know, like I've got, you get into that. I've got to, right. Do some kind yes. of movement if I want to lose a pound versus, yeah, I've always loved to be active. So walking, what right, you know, I don't run. I'm not a runner. So I don't do that, right? But I love being physical. I've always loved those kinds of things. So it, you know, to find something I love to dance, like, you know, so to find something that's easy, but if you try to do something as a task to get to a goal, you're not going to stick with it. It right. just feels so heavy, right? It just yeah. feels. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you're pushing yourself. You're forcing it, right? And that's what I love about this is something that you just naturally enjoy and try different things. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be any one thing, right? And I think for, especially for people who aren't necessarily really active, finding something just that they like to do that they enjoy is really helpful. I love that. And you can you can increase it over time, you know? So it's just mm-hmm. starting. Tracy and I always say, just start, just start, just start moving. <laughs> yeah. And That's then, the hardest yeah. step is to one, just one start. One push up a day. Yeah. yeah. One push up a day, right? Just do one thing. That's great. For a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lizzie, you end your book with the pep talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just love that. That pep talk. And here you talk about achieving balance by avoiding extremes, and you call it the Goldilocks zone. So tell us a little bit about why that's so important. 
Okay, so the Goldilocks zone, um, I have a funny story about this. So that really came about because <laughs> when I first came to the US, as you can tell, I'm English. Um, I originally came over to do a um, internship at UCLA Athletics. And during that time, I would be on the fueling station in the mornings giving the athletes their breakfast. And their breakfast would be oatmeal, but I didn't call the oatmeal oatmeal, I called it porridge. So all the athletes started to lovingly refer to me as Goldilocks. So <laughs> that is my that is my American nickname. And the Goldilocks zone is really about achieving that balance that we've been talking about. It's mm -hmm. sitting between two ends of an extreme. And that Goldilocks zone sitting between those two ends of an extreme looks different for everybody. Um, because again, we don't want to be prescriptive. We don't want to tell people what to do. I think everybody's sick of being told mm -hmm. what to do. Um, but establishing mm -hmm. your Goldilocks zone in the middle of doing not enough or doing the bare minimum and not looking after yourself whatsoever versus doing the, you know, overdoing it, overworking out, like just eating all the clean foods and in inverted commas, you know, and, and that side is self-abuse because both extremes, I believe, is self-abuse and moving towards the middle and merging them. So saying, okay, well, I want to um, eat healthily, but in a balanced way. I want to still enjoy a glass of wine at the weekends, but I'm also going to eat my fruits and vegetables. I want to move my body, but I'm going to do it for pleasure, not punishment. I'm going to talk to myself in a healthy, balanced way. But I also realize that my inner mean girl is going to come up now and again. So how do I move through that? And so that is the Goldilocks zone. That is where we achieve unconditional love for our bodies, I believe. Um, and I think that is something that I really have a very strong passion for because what I see out there in the big wide world is the two ends of the yeah. extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. so, that's so related to the work that we do with healthcare leaders and understanding the interdependent values or pairs that do exist. And if you overfocus on one to the neglect of the other, you're going to, and that extreme end to your point, Lizzie, you're going to end up on the downside. You're not going to, you'll never achieve your goal, Absolutely. even though that's why you started you know, working so hard at it. Well, and I think the thing I appreciated about this part too, is this is about sustainability. Yes. So that's, you know, and it impacts everything in your life. When you have these elements in balance and you're, you know, doing both and you're, you know, you're doing the doing and the being aspect of this, right? Then it's about sustainable results. And that's one of the reasons why I started coaching with Lizzie, because it's about sustainability. It's about balance. It's not about working with a trainer that's going to, you know, kick your butt like, <laughs> you know, every day. And it's not about working with somebody for nutrition who's going to starve you, right? Like, it's about knowing who you are and what works for you. But also, you know, I hired Lizzie at the big as I was just starting to finish my dissertation. So I knew that was a vulnerable time for me from a health perspective, that that stress could take me down a road I didn't want to go, right, which I was already halfway down. So recognizing that I needed I needed a coach. I needed help. I needed somebody who could help me see this for myself, really engage in all these aspects so that I don't just get through this time, but I'm building a sustainable practice, something that I can live with every day that has flexibility in it. It's not extreme. It's in the middle. And it's and, uh, and we've carved that out to be what I need it to be. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've really leveraging all of these, you know, rebellious acts. So I just really... That's my plug for you. Oh, thank you. I, just, I, I just, well, I'm just, it's been, I mean, and it's made all the difference because I'm at one of the most stressful times in my life, Yep. but I have energy. I feel confident. I feel good in my body. I'm like, it, it, I'm mentally strong, right? Which are all the things that I needed. So it's, it's, you know, it's all that and a bag of chips as they would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that just, that really does mean the world because that is, that is my purpose. But I have to give 
all the credit to you um, because you're the one who is in the identity of the person being healthy and balanced and doing what you need to do consistently as we mentioned before mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and really what another aspect of this is you know as you mentioned the sustainability piece i always say to people i do not want to see your face next year <laughs> i love you <laughs> and i would you know i'd love to see you but from working with you i'm not here to keep you trapped that is right. the exact opposite of what we're trying to achieve here, you know? And there's a difference, I believe, with personal development that gives you a sustainable blueprint and personal development that you take on as I'm still not good enough and that traps you into thinking, all right, well, what about the next thing? Oh, you know, I'm I'm back at where I was six months ago. Oh, I need to do this again and again and again. And that is the long-term problem that I see is that people still don't feel good enough despite all of these things. So really, it's not about getting help because you think you're still broken. It's about getting the right support so that you have the toolkit that's going to enable you through the rest of your life to feel good in your body and Mm -hmm. having that cheer squad. Because isn't it fun having a cheer squad? It's so Uh, awesome. uh, (laughs) I love when people cheer you on. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good. It's like crashing the finish line and everybody's, yay. It's going to be. all along the way, people are handing you water. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Or oxygen, whatever it is you need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh. This has just been so awesome. And now it's time for the missing questions, Lizzie. (laughs) (laughs) So mom and dad, if you're watching this or listening to this. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're going to learn about Lizzie. No, no, it's nothing difficult. So, you know, we like to close just kind of asking about these, you know, a couple of questions. So here's your first one. What do you miss most about England? Oh, (laughs) yes, I miss England a lot. So the last time I went back to the UK was September 2019. Mm. Um, So it's been it's been a while. So I think I miss my family and my friends over there the most. And what is absolutely lovely is that we're getting married in May. So some of my close friends and family are able to come over and get to see them again, which is really, really cool. Um, Mm. And what I also really, really miss, I'm not going to lie, is the English food. (laughs) I was going to say, do you miss fish and chips? (laughs) I, well, I do. I miss it. And I miss it from the, the, from the chippy. Um, but there is a place just down from us in San Pedro um, called the Whale and Ale, and they do mm-hmm. phenomenal fish and chips. So if you are ever around the area, then I highly recommend going to that because there there are some British pubs um, in the LA area which have sustained my cravings for British British food. But I'm excited to go to a go to a pub and, and have my, my chips yeah. and yeah. <laughs> hang yeah. out with my Not friends to- and family again. Oh, yeah. It's nothing like an English pub. Love it. Love it. All right. So here's the next one. What is your favorite food to cook or bake? Oh, that one's easy. Uh, I'm a breakfast girl. I oh. absolutely love breakfast. I can eat it for breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, any time of day. Just hands down breakfast. That's my favorite. What's your favorite breakfast dish? I'll take it all. I just just take it all. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of everything. Oh, right. Well, <laughs> I guess uh, something that I, I hadn't experienced until I moved over here was um, breakfast burritos. So I'm going to say breakfast uh, burrito is, is my new, oh, my new yes. favorite. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Those are really good. Yeah. My hu- I like breakfast too. Yeah. It's just, it's so good. Like there's so much variety, right? Yeah. 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 We actually, we actually had, we were missing breakfast here in the house that I'm with my sister-in-law, my husband and I, and I'm like, I don't eat that way. Right. I don't eat breakfast like that. 
And so we had breakfast for dinner a couple of weeks ago, which was really awesome. Oh, that's <laughs> it amazing. Fun. It was just fun. Yeah. yeah. So you could have it anytime, right? It was still healthy. It was yeah. still healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. Well, now we're ready for our wrap-up question. And, um, you know, we always like to end with a little polarity intelligence, Lizzie. And one of the things that we teach leaders is that when you look at a polarity, they are equally important, but all the two poles are equally important, um, but we have a preference poll. And so we're going to ask you a polarity, and we want you to tell us what your preference poll is, which one you kind of lean more towards and just who you are. Okay? You ready? Okay. I'm okay. ready. All right. Spontaneity or planning? Oh, I'm more of the planner. Are yeah, you? Yeah, just naturally more of the planner. I... <laughs> Uh, like my my like my diary, it goes in the planner, and if it's in the planner, it gets done. Um, I'm just yeah, naturally like that organization. I think I've learned more to kind of be spontaneous. Luckily, mm -hmm. my husband is a lot more kind of fly by the seat of his pants, and I'm more of the kind of planner. So that kind of brings the polarities together. Yes, um, but yes, I would still say planning is is my uh, mo. <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good that's good and, and Tracy and I it's good when you're opposite she's the planner and I'm spot I'm more spontaneity <laughs> we're opposite in every way there could ever be <laughs> I swear to God we become more aware of that every day <laughs> how opposite we are but how good it is right it, it is again it's just a balance you need that right because both are important and it's really important so just like peanut butter and jelly yes that's what Patty calls us <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly. Oh, Lizzie, it's just such a pleasure Thank to have you. you here sharing your gift with the world and congratulations on your book. It's yes. phenomenal. And I just, I'm so proud of you and what you're doing and um, just this unique perspective and approach. And it's so needed and just thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, Naira, again, thank you so much for having me. Yeah just amazing to share this space with you and, and your listeners. So thank you. Yeah. And I, I appreciate just learning from your journey and just how you brought different perspectives and different tools forward. And thank you for sharing the quiz with our listeners. I'm really excited about that as well and look forward to seeing you in the future. I know we'll be connected yeah. for a long time. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes. I hope so. Yeah. So for our listeners, um, we are so grateful that you're here, that you got to meet Lizzie, and we will see you on the next episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. So stay safe and stay healthy and love yourself. enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.